This week on the Baseline Podcast, Josh and I are joined by my dad. We're going to be talking all college football, mainly Ohio State, because why not? And so we're going to be talking about Ohio State defensive recruiting, Ohio State defensive coaching, what my dad thinks needs to happen, what has changed with college football. And finally, we'll finish up with a little bit of Cleveland Browns talk and what needs to happen this year and if Deshaun Watson is even going to play. All that and so much more coming up on the Baseline Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Baseline Podcast. I am back this week after a week off. That's Josh. I'm Ben. That's my dad. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But uh, we're here to talk some, you know, sports that like we do here on the podcast. I'm super excited to be back, Josh. How was last week? Johnny did a great job. I listened. Uh, how was last week? <laughs> yeah, I had a, I enjoyed our discussion with Johnny. We talked a little bit of MLB. We touched on the NBA, the Madden ratings. Uh, also took advantage of his tennis expertise as well. Um, and as things stand right now, Juan Soto still hasn't been traded, and Aaron Judge is still looking like a, a unanimous MVP selection out of the American League. And like Ben said, guys, uh, he's joined by his dad today. Since we didn't have any Bowdens on last week, it only made sense to double it up this week. So why don't you go ahead and introduce us, Ben? Do we call you Dave, Mr. Bowden, Ben's dad, or like, how do we do this? (laughs) I mean, my dad goes by so many names, coach, Mr. Bowden, Dave, David, dad. I don't know. We're just watching. Okay, okay, that's Hungarian for you. He's just really trying as he's been here. Um, no, I, I, we'll, we'll just, well, for this episode, you can just call him coach. Okay, since we're talking football, Josh, that way it's not as like awkward for you and you're trying to he's change the He's got the, the coach hat on. Yeah, yeah, he's got the coach hat on, coach mind. Um, but no, it's super excited to have my dad. Um, it's funny because that's where I learned sports from, as Josh and I have talked on this show millions of times. And to have him on to talk about sports, talk about high state football, since we've had some Michigan people on, I think it's ever right to have somebody who's just as passionate about a high state football as I am, but also has got the coaching background, who's coached the game, who's watched probably every high state game since probably before I was born. Um, and so I think that's the perfect person to come talk about a high state football to give them maybe an older view than we've had a lot of guests on, right? That were younger, kind of that new age of fan. But I would really like it to, to have that, that, that kind of someone that's a fan but knows what they're talking about in the sense of the football sense of it on the field things like that um so my dad who's coached many many sports but coached football for a long time um he is here with us which is super exciting we talk about high state football um because i'll be honest josh i'm really tired of talking about michigan football it was really getting old i'm just <laughs> we saying. had yes as much as uh it was fun to talk to david Cohn and james yoder and i would love to chat with them again sometime. I know that was very difficult on Ben. So, I mean, we appreciate Ben for being a trooper through all that. But, yes, we do get to talk a little bit more Ohio State focused today, which we haven't done, I believe, since uh, our episode with Chris Drew. Yes, that is true. And, I, and I'm super excited to talk about the defense, which is primarily what we're going to talk about this episode, because that's kind of like where my dad kind of he loves it. he's old school, right? He loves that kind of defense mentality. It's the thing that he would tell me all the time last year sucked. So <laughs> if you're hearing from me, I mean, that's where it is. But before we get into any of it, we do want to say if you are listening to this here, this usually comes out on Monday, Tuesday, then you would have known that on Sunday, the NBA great Bill Russell passed away. So we want to just send our prayers and condolences out to Bill Russell's family. I don't know about you, Josh, but anytime you hear the name Bill Russell, you think of someone who is one of the greatest of all time, for sure. 
I mean, is anybody ever going to win 11 rings again, Ben? No. Like, that's how many he had. Like, the way that the NBA is structured now, I just don't think anybody's ever going to be able to play at that high of a level. Like, we marvel at LeBron playing in, what, eight or nine straight finals? Like, just playing mm-hmm. in it. And then Bill's out here winning 11 of them. Like, that's never going to be done again. No, it's not. And, uh, Dad, what about you? Have you ever – did you ever get to watch Bill Russell in action? Uh, not really, but uh, he was uh... – Red Arbach was the coach of him for a lot of those years and Bill Russell and would go up against Wilt Chamberlain a lot. Wilt Chamberlain was in his prime too. And when he played for Philadelphia and then uh, Bill Russell obviously played for the Celtics and he was only six foot nine and did everything like at six, nine, he wasn't even like a seven foot or anything like that. He just, he dominated games, get rebounds and score, you name it. He did it. He was the, uh, he was the man. I mean, they didn't mess with him off the field or on the on the I mean, on the court or off the court. He didn't mess with him. Mm. Yeah, and, it, and it's. I think it's. It just goes to show that I think Bill Russell. I, I saw a stat, Josh, and you'll think this is crazy. He had twelve straight seasons of a thousand rebounds. A thousand rebounds. You don't even see that anymore. Twelve straight. Yeah, the game. I think the game has just changed too much. Like I know you mentioned Bill only being six nine. I mean that was still really tall for back in the day. Oh, and now there's just so many guys that are like you know around seven feet tall, and you got multiple of them on teams. And the league's just so much deeper now with players and teams. Like it's just going to be tough to do mm. some of these accomplishments ever again. Yeah. So Josh, let's talk. I mean, first off, again, our prayers and condolences to Bill Russell's family, um, and to just I know the NBA is really taking this it's it's a hard thing to lose uh one of your nba greats uh but josh what are we gonna be talking about this episode i know you have some great topics to talk about with my dad uh to talk about uh some high state defense yeah i'd like to just kind of start off with a general uh discussion on coaching at ohio state because i imagine sir that you've gotten to see some of the greats like woody hayes come through uh and then following him were guys like earl bruce john cooper jim trestle uh, and Urban Meyer and Luke Fickle in there sprinkled in just for that one uh, forgettable season that we don't talk about anymore. But uh, how would you stack up Ryan Day? Because to me, he's already like one of the top five coaches in college football right now. Where does he stack on your list of Ohio State coaches? I know that like for all time talk, it might still be too early. Plus, he doesn't have a national championship yet. But what what do you think of Ryan Day uh, in just his, uh, his short stand at Ohio State so far? Well, I think he's... Uh... He's an offensive guru. I think he um, he knows what he wants, and he, and he and he made the changes on defense because he was he was not happy. He knows his job is not about winning the Big Ten and 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 just winning the Big Ten and beating Michigan. But that's the that's the that's the thing. You got to beat Michigan. He knows that loss is in his craw, and it's just stuck with him. And if they had played in twenty, he'd have probably laid a hundred on Michigan. That's that's not a doubt. I don't I don't doubt that at all. That he'd have. He'd have ran the score and just kept. I don't doubt it either. That was not a good Michigan team. He'd have just let it let it go and and we know Michigan was dodging. They, James Yoder and those guys can say what they want, but they, Michigan was dodging <laughs> Ohio State that year. It's it's legit. They were dodging them. But Brian Day over all those other coaches, you know, John Cooper couldn't beat Michigan, and uh, Jim Trestle turned that around and beat them and, and continued to whip on them. And then and then Urban Meyer continued that and and Woody, he he just he 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 made it as passion that they put their pants on just like everybody else. And since Woody became coach, I think the record of Ohio State Michigan 
is predominantly a tie. There's not the dominance. The dominance occurred way back in the early history of this, this series. The, the later history of the series is predominantly Ohio State. He even said once once Woody took over, and that's why the uh, uh, he, he kept pushing the gold pants thing even more after it was created back in the 40s. They put their pants on like everybody else, and we put our pants on, and then Woody just kept it going, and then it just – blossom into the 60s and the 70s and in the 80s and then earl bruce he he was a passionate high state guy john cooper just didn't understand the, the the thing but now it's just the way it is where would where would you rank ryan day right now with a high state Jericho? would you say he's top five or is he still got to prove to get to that is there still like would you still put woody hayes jim trestle urban meyer above him or do you say ryan day is is creeping into that tie five? Do you even put well, Earl Bruce ahead of him? Well, no, I I think he's 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 already solidified himself. He's moving very quickly up the ladder. If, if he continues, he's going to win a national championship. I mean, he's getting. I've never seen so many uh, top recruits that 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 roster is like a like the roster of Georgia or Alabama roster. <laughs> it's it's been this way different than it ever used to be. Um, Irvin Meyer started, and then Ryan Day just continued the, 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 uh, just the pattern that's going on. And, um, I, 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 you know, I, it's hard to say. I mean, Woody's going to be Woody. I mean, his, his coaching tree is all the coaches that are out there. Even Luke, Nick Saban was on Woody's staff. I mean, come on. I miss all these guys or almost every one of these guys somewhere, every major program. What staff did they come through? Woody Hayes. So they all had their their chance to be on it. So you would say you would say Woody's still number one. I mean, yeah. by far he's number one. I mean, there's never gonna be a guy that I don't think ever gonna I don't know if anybody's gonna be around long enough to surpass Woody's coaching record as far as wins. But if Ryan Day keeps staying if Ryan Day stays and he loves Ohio State, his kids are in Ohio and his kids are living here, so he loves Ohio State. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, he's he's a he's got it all. He's got everything he ever wants in Columbus. Mm. So it does, yeah. He's got uh, I mean, he's got that machine going. He's got the salary. Like, I mean, he's got Ohio State uh, really at a great desirable place to be at. And I think if he were ever leave, it'd have to be after he won a national championship and then maybe for the right NFL opportunity to come about. Cause I mean, we just watched Urban Meyer try to go to the NFL and he went into a terrible situation. He just couldn't handle it. So I think Ryan day will learn from that and only go to the NFL if it's like a good fit overall. And uh, Nick Saban went to the NFL and was a flop. Yeah, I think now his best season was like six and ten or football. something like that. Yeah, he dominates dominates college football, and he was a flop in the NFL. Mm. Yeah, some guys are just built for. I feel like for either the college game or the NFL game. But I would it would have been interesting to see Nick maybe give it a couple more years in the NFL because he wasn't fired, but maybe he would have been fired if it was like year three and four in Miami because they're a lot more uh, quick to fire you in the NFL, I think, than at college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, we have seen uh, Urban Meyer go through some bad defenses at Ohio State. Like 2018's defense was absolutely awful. That one ranked really low in the scoring and total defenses I was checking. And then flip 
over to 2019. And I mean, it was one of the best defenses in college football with guys like Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. Like that was a, that was a fun team to watch overall offensively and defensively, even for me as a non-Ohio state fan. And now we're kind of in a similar spot where the offense in 2020 one was absolutely insane and then the defense is what was holding the team back so mm-hmm. ryan day has made those adjustments he's i mean matt barnes is gone Kerry coombs is gone and al washington's gone we got a new dc in the house with jim Knowles. so i mean he's doing a lot to fix that defense uh and i've talked about it with ben before about uh what we could expect to see from this defense uh is ryan making the moves necessary oh yeah i think um you don't get rid of a whole defensive staff if you don't want to expect something to change. And that's with any coaching level. If you're going to change things and you change the entire coaches, okay, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. Uh, he doesn't hold back. Uh, Ryan Day knows how to win football. He's been around. If you don't get the job done, he's going to get rid of you. He doesn't, he doesn't bring in his cronies like, some other guys did, shall I not name Urban Meyer, brought in his cronies that he did in the past. And then those cronies is why they were so lousy on defense. I mean, uh, last year's staff, they couldn't coach uh, 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 hot butter with a, with a butter knife. They were terrible. They, they, they had guys out of position. They didn't have guys in the proper position. Guys were thinking, in football, you cannot think and be dominated by thinking. You got to react. You got to see with your eyes and react to what you see. And if your linebacker sees and he's making the play and he sees and he's got a lane, he's got to take that lane and go and get the ball. Uh, see the ball, get the ball. You, the defense hasn't changed from 1950 to to, to 2022. Uh, it's still all about making plays. And uh, when you're thinking too much as a defensive or any kind of really college, any kind of football player. You think too much, and then you're just going to have problems. And and the only guy that can really think is a quarterback has to read with his eyes. Linebackers and linemen and, de- and defensive backs all have to read with their eyes. They have to see what they understand, what they're seeing. Do you think? Do you think though that Jim Knowles is the right fit for what we're looking for? Did did Ryan take the right guy, or was this too much of a? Did, is this too much of an unknown right now, or do you think Jim Knowles is going to be a guy? Because his defense is 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 kind of not wacky, but his defense is very unique to what he does. And we've seen how at Oklahoma State it took him a couple years to get it acclimated. What do you think? Because you're hearing a lot of analysis, kind of up and down. Like, will this be a good um, defensive fit? What do you think about Jim Knowles? Because that's the biggest name. Obviously, you have some new DB coaches, but specifically with Jim Knowles. Is this the right fit? Do you think this is a guy that's going to make this defense like what you say to play and not just to and not think? Well, they had to change the defense and they went to a defense that fits the style of what's going through college football right now. What's what's the big college football new new thing is RPOs and run pass option, have your linemen uh, zone read and slide to the to where they're supposed to be, and then you read it, pull it out and and toss it out there. You got to have a defense that's able to capable to do that. And the defense we had last year was, uh, I don't know what that was, but that wasn't defense. That was like, okay, give up 45 yard runs. Okay, let's let's play the same defense. Let's see if we can give up another 45 yard run. Well, they did. You know, Oregon spanked them, and so did Michigan. 
uh, meat chicken. Excuse me, I said I sh- shouldn't have said that one. This is be meat chicken. They uh, they they let meat chicken beat them, and that shouldn't have happened. Um, but uh, yeah, but I think the proof's in the pudding, and that's why when you look at recruiting, why recruits are saying eh, maybe I'm not going to come there yet. I don't know what kind of defense got. But even though they're losing some guys, you got to remember they got some guys. They still had three defensive backs. They just lost a kid. He said, "Oh, I'm going to decommit. I'm going to." Well, he's a Florida kid. Man, you got to these kids. You got to constantly be on them, They're constantly hounding them and saying, "Hey, you're going to come. You're going to come. You're going to come." And if they don't, they don't. But they're wanting to see how his defense goes. And Jim Knowles, he was coaching with like maybe two, one, two, three stars there at Oklahoma State. I'm like, come on, Oklahoma State. And what defensive guy is going to go to Oklahoma State? There's two OSU's, and which one are you going to pick? I ain't going to pick Oklahoma State. <laughs> what are they going to do? They're, they score 45 points a game and give up 45 points, you know. But So he had a top defense and at, at a school that doesn't have very many top-notch recruits. Here he's got four and five stars. So what's he going to do with four and five stars? Well, we'll see what he does with four and five stars. Yeah, I think – kind of waiting to see how things are going to go. And they're only going to play with – you know, there's oh, also these linebackers. Dude, they're playing two linebackers, and they got nine start nine guys that can start on the roster. Nine linebackers for two spots. Okay. Well, there's one and two. There's three and four, five and six, seven and eight, nine. And okay, maybe they play Wisconsin and maybe Michigan that tries to run it down your throat. So maybe you throw another line. You still got nine for three spots. So it's not like they're gonna, you know, it's killing them. This is one year, and everybody's like, all oh, the Twitter's freaking out everybody's freaking out and i'm just like hey they want to see high state in action you know big defensive tackles are leaving and stuff but this kid his parents want him to stay at central central florida over high state that's a kid they never were going to get because his parents didn't want him to go to ohio what are you going to do can't can't do anything about those kind of kids and the kid the deal that this johnson kid that reneged on his and it's just a commitment People forget that they're not canceling that line until December. So you got to keep having these kids to, for another six months. Yeah, we see a lot of guys decommitting now, I think, with uh, even more so with the NIL and just transfer portal being what it is now. But that's a whole other topic. But I really like the point you brought up about the talent level of Ohio State. Like, I mean, they do have the talent there. Like, they have like the four stars and the five stars on that defense. But another thing that was working against them last year was just the youth. Like, there were so many, like Denzel Burke, freshman four star corner, I believe, is starting. And I mean, you would never see a freshman start at corner at Ohio State. Like, you should never be in that kind of a situation where you need a freshman to start so I think that's going to help Knowles not just with the the increase in talent that he's going to have at Ohio State but also like these kids are young enough that I think you know get get into the system for like a year or two and I mean maybe next year not not this coming season next year is the time that we'll really get to see uh this defense like how it's uh, been unfolding, but Ryan day has high expectations. He said at media days that this was going to, I mean, his expectation is top 10 defense. So, well, Josh, it's, 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 it's kind of, I think you've said this in the past and I think it's interesting to me. I think you've said this in the past that that's what makes a difference between like good teams. Like we look at, let's look at Florida, for example, the inconsistencies, what caused you to be mediocre in college football. And like Ohio state is, has a, in Ohio State's eyes, right, or my dad's eyes, or my eyes, we had a mediocre year, right? T 
10 and two, like, oh, that is just, it's terrible, right? Texas A&M fans would kill for a 10 and two Ex- season right no, now. No, remember, they don't, <laughs> they don't pay for players, Josh. Remember, we don't pay for players. Um, but, <laughs> but no, it's, it, it just goes to show, I think, and I think you said this before when you were talking about Florida, like it's frustrating because Florida loses guys to Ohio State, right? Or to those kind of things. And I think it goes to show that, there's a name brand there, but there's also coaches. And I think, I think my dad is right. It might take a year for these kids to go, okay, I'm still going to play ball if I go to Ohio state, right? Like right now it's an unknown thing. Like, am I going to play if I go? But again, with a new defense is, yeah, you're playing two linebackers. And now you have, you have freshmen that could start at Oklahoma state if they wanted to at Ohio state, right? Like there's all these guys that play at Ohio state that could start at Oklahoma state, 90% of them. Right. So I think it's, it's very interesting to look and, Again, you know, if you're going to compare Ohio State to Alabama, which is like what we like to do because you want to see if they're going to stand up, you know, Alabama loses recruits, right? They lose different guys. But I think Ohio State fans were so critical on Ohio State that sometimes we forget the bigger picture and the fact that, hey, we already have a ton of dudes that are really good. And these guys ain't coming for a year and a half, two years. So I think that's the other thing that you have to kind of like, we have to measure as fans that, hey, it's it's okay if you lose one. It's okay if you lose two. Now, if you start getting over two, then it starts getting worried. But it's like maybe there is something more to it than just that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, are you are you gearing more towards uh, this last weekend or whatever? Where all the fans freaking out about the the yeah. terrible recruiting weekend. Yeah, like it's it's okay. So, I, like I watch Minnesota sports, obviously, and I I hear their thoughts, and you know, there's just all this stuff. I'm like, look, I get it. Like they should have landed at least a couple of those kids. Like, let's be honest, like you're Ohio state. You should be able to land a few of those kids, but at the same time I've seen dudes flip to Ohio state, you know, two days before the signing day. Right. And I've seen dudes flip away from Ohio state. Like it, the guys you get to come there are the guys that you want to have and the guys that want to be there. Do you want a guy that doesn't want to be there? He's just there for the NIL money. We've seen that. We saw that in Quinn Ewers. He came for a year pretty much just wanted his NIL money, got to where he needed to, and then he transfers to Texas. So that's my thought process on the whole thing is that I, I'm i not like throwing up the red the red sirens right now, right? Like I'm not going, oh boy, this is terrible. But I'm also going, okay, it is a little weird that we can't really seem to nail down some defensive guys. But at the same time, we did nail a quarterback. So I don't know. It's it's just, it's weird um, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you guys have had weekends where, I mean, you're laying in Brandon Innes and Carnell Tate exactly. and Noel Rogers and Brian Hartline just looking like the greatest recruiter of all time. So it's like for every win that you get kind of like that, I feel like there's going to be some some L's sprinkled in there. And I guess that's kind of what this weekend was. And unfortunately for you guys, it was also on the defensive side, which is, I guess, the, the glaring weakness right now. Yeah, and I think it is tough. And I don't know, Dad, what do you think? But you, you've seen throughout the years, you've seen Ohio State recruit some amazing linebackers, the A.J. Hawks of the world, the Bobby Carpenters, the um, Chris Spielmans. You've seen all these guys play. You you know what a Ohio State defense should look like. Are you worried as not just as a Ohio State fan, but are you worried as like if you're a coach, if you're in that locker room and you're trying to recruit these guys and they're not coming, like what, what right now is going through your head as someone that has been following Ohio State since you were a kid? You've seen some of the greatest linebackers, DBs, defensive guy, linemen come through. Seems like the only place we nail on the defensive end right now is defensive linemen. That's because you have the great one of the greatest. Larry Johnson, coaches. the greatest of yeah. all time. So, th- my question to you is: Are you worried in in that sense? No, 
because they they haven't proven themselves on defense the last few years. But here a few weeks ago, we got Jason Moore. And that kid is like the like that kid's like a, uh, uh, a, a young all over again. He's a kid out of the same area, the the, the, the triangle over there in Maryland area. And he's 6'6", 255 pounds as a as a as a 18 year old kid. He comes to high state and gets in that weight program. He'll be 275, 180 pounds playing defensive end, running a four four six or a four five. I mean, those are, those are freaks. And they're still getting kids like that, and they still got kids coming in. It's just people like, these kids want to see what's what they're doing. I mean, they got uh, 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 the, the kid they got. Uh, I can't think of his name all of a sudden from last year. Um, the defensive tackle that kid's going to be a he's going to be a superstar he's 315 20 pounds and he's just gonna oh tyleek williams tyleek williams that dude's going to be a beast and he's a defensive lineman they've got other defensive linemen they're, i mean they're they're mostly seniors and 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 you, you want to try to replenish the load but i can guarantee you next year their their focus is going to be on as many defensive linemen as they can get and if he ends up with a top even if it's not top 10 like Ryan Day wants, but ends up being top 15, dude, he's going to get defensive people to commit. Say, hey, yeah, I'm going to go play for that defense because they're going to win them some ball games. So. Yeah. And even like in the years that Ohio State's defense has been bad, like like 2018 and stuff, like they just always seem to have like these good defensive linemen and even defensive backs come through. Like, I mean, we, there was a time where you guys had Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, like all these great defensive backs on the defensive line. I mean, currently we're looking at, I mean, a lot of young guys like Jack Sawyer and JT, and you mentioned Tyreek and uh, Zach Harrison's like the lone, the lone uh, veteran in there that you hope can uh, – and his career on a high note because he hasn't really exactly lived up to expectations. But it's it's always kind of been like linebacker lately. Like we have seen good linebacker classes come through, but really like that's kind of been the area that's been lacking to me. And I'm, I'm big on linebacker play. Like Ben can attest to that. It's something I wish my Cleveland Browns would take a little bit more seriously, but maybe even, I think, is Knowles' background linebackers, Ben? I'm trying yeah, to remember. I mean, Knowles is the one that's coaching linebackers. Like, okay. he's, he's the guy that does – I mean, because it's, it's the unique part of his defense, right? Like, you have a – it's just – it's unique. And you look at these defense, and, like, I'll say this, Josh. You have C.J. Hicks who came in as – who's coming in as a freshman who's going to be – he's going to be a stud. Like, he's a he's a freshman. He's already 225 pounds as a freshman. Uh, he's from Dayton, Ohio. You have, you have a kid from my area – uh, from Marysville, Gabe Powers, who is also going to be another kid that's reminds me a lot of like an AJ Hawk kind of a guy that I think is just going to be he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. Uh, you still have Reed Carico coming back for a second year. You have Pete uh, Pile Gariote, who I can never say his name right. Uh, he's coming back for his fifth year. You have Steel Chambers, who when he played when he started playing more late in the year, who just if you guys don't remember, switched from running back to linebacker. The dude's fast, and he's still learning how to tackle. Um, but he's he's going to be good. You have Tarade Mitchell, who is a graduate senior coming back. You have um, you have Melton, who is he hurt, Dad, or is he? Yeah. So, yeah, you have Eichenberg, who's who came out of nowhere. And by the way, I want to point out everyone right now is I know Cade Stover's listed as a tight end, but we all know <laughs> Cade Stover is truly a linebacker. And I would not be shocked if by the end of the year, <laughs> that's what we said last year. Okay. We never know. Yeah. I think, I think it sounds like G Scott's going to be tight end. And I mean, you might as well just move Cade to linebacker. Yeah, you like, might as well lose he the- was an- 
they don't need they don't need three linebackers. Kate Stover's got to play the third linebacker. They, they only ninety percent of the time they're going to be in two linebacker sets. They're going to have a weak side linebacker and a middle linebacker. This the strong side linebacker is going to be a hybrid freak. It's going to be uh, uh, Jack Sawyer probably, and he's a freak. And JT Tumalau and Zach Harrison. They're they're. This is going to be a freak defense, and, and the, that fifth guy is going to be moved all the way around, all over the place. Sometimes it'll be a defensive back, sometimes it'll be a linebacker, and they're already confusing the offense even in practice. From what I've been hearing, they're going to they're going to freak people out with that defense. Mm. I do wonder too, like with finishing off on K to like Ohio State's offense just doesn't utilize tight ends. So might as well just give all the depth to your defense that you can. Yeah, why not? Why not? He's uh, gonna be a blocking tight end. He's gonna they're gonna use him to knock the That's top. Mitch Rossi. Gonna, well, no, he's <laughs> that's my man Rossi. He'll he'll be in the flex, he'll be the flex guy, but when they need a tight end to knock some snot bubbles out of somebody, it'll be him. <laughs> Have you noticed, Josh, by the way, I just want to like pause this uh, segment here. Have you noticed that my dad and Chris Drew are totally opposites? Like my dad is this nerdy like coach and Chris Drew just brings in all the comedy like it, and they're combining into like this one weird guest that if we had both on at the same time, I think it'd be hilarious. Honestly, <laughs> since you brought Chris up, that reminds me of a question that we should ask your dad. Oh yes. Do you consider Michigan to be Ohio state's rivalry or Clemson? Right here. Right here. Uh, meat chicken. <laughs> Anytime you can beat meat chicken. And remember Woody Hayes said, they asked him, why'd you go for, why'd you go for two? Cause I couldn't go for three. <laughs> right. But I'll, I'll say this, Josh, we have to talk to explain to dad. Okay, so this was Chris Drew. And Chris, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. Okay, but you had a really, your statement it's was- It's an unpopular false. opinion we're finding out. Yes. I understood Chris, where you were coming we've from. Talked to, we've talked to Michigan people, Josh, and they both agreed that it's still the rivalry. Like, it does, anyways, but basically, dad, Chris says that because they, High State had been beating Michigan pretty much, that- and Clemson beat us, what, in 20, what was that, 20, what did he say, 2016? No. 2016, they got yeah. you. Uh, they also got you, I think, in uh, like a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe the year yeah. before with Taj Boyd. And then 2018. Um, 2018, and then you guys faced off again, was yeah. it 2020? Yeah, 2020, 2020, yeah. But you also faced in the playoffs in 2019, too. Yeah. So basically, basically what, Josh, uh, basically what Chris was saying was that he feels like the Michigan isn't really the rivalry anymore. And Chris knew it was going to be a, a, a very sensitive subject, but I just think as a high state fan, I don't know how you can say that. Like I get it. Michigan. Yeah. Clemson is a rivalry, but you can't say it's more bigger. He said it basically is bigger than the Michigan. Basically because Clemson's been the team that's been keeping Ohio state from like national championships. It hasn't been Michigan. Like Michigan's just yeah. like been such an easy team to beat. That it's just like another regular season game to him that now like the expectation is Ohio state in the playoffs and more often than not, it's been Clemson that's been keeping them away from a title. So Clemson is now the rivalry in his eyes, not Michigan. What's your, what is your comment on that, Dave Bowden? Well, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we'll just watch and see what the rivalry means because I think there's going to be some wood being laid and it's going to be a 50 spot at least, at least a 50 spot on that day because Michigan keeps running their mouth. So I hope they keep running their mouth. But Clemson, dude, after, after we got jobbed in that one game and then came back and spanked them, now we're worried about Alabama and Georgia, they am Clemson. 
I'm not even worried about Clemson. Anymore. This this season is going to be very telling, I think, because Clemson had what we would consider an off year last year at ten and two, and will they? as they keep losing assistance, be able to maintain the pace that they've been having. And then I think, um, I mean, the rivalry with between Michigan and Ohio State got fueled last year. Like, as much as it sucked for Ohio State fans to lose that game, we needed a Michigan victory there to re- renew it and add fuel to that just because, like, it has been, like, a boring series to watch. But now that we have, like, a revamped, motivated Ohio State team and we have a Michigan team that's got a little bit of added swagger, whether it's warranted or not, like, it's going to be a game that I think both fan bases are going to be much more amped for than usual. I- Josh, all I'll say is, is that my dad is probably pushing so many people's buttons in this episode. I feel like we have the most, the most, my mom told him to watch what he's saying. And I think he's already started pushing people's buttons, but you know, he's got to, he's got to be the bad guy every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Let's check that subscriber count. Once we're done, Ben, if we yeah, can get below 200 again, let's see what's below 200. <laughs> six wins, six wins from tying the series against meat chicken. Might be seven now since they won last year, but it's pretty close from tying them. And they dominated from the before the 50s. So that tells you anything. So, uh, yeah, they, they may be the all time winningest program. They've also been one of the oldest programs like in college football history period. Like they like they had like a 20 to 30 year head start on Ohio State, I think. But I might be exaggerating that a little bit, but it was a pretty significant. That's lead. OK, Josh. That's what we do here. <laughs> that's what we do. We exaggerate to fit our narrative, right? Yeah, of course. That's what that's what that's what um, we learned from some amazing politicians. Oh, that's my political <laughs> joke for the day. Um, anyways, there it uh, is. So, Josh, I have a question for you. That I think Dad can touch on this too. Do you think, as someone that grew up in Ohio, right, and you you grew up watching, you know, the AJ Hawks play and the the Bobby Carpenters play and. Um, some of these other great Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Gamble, who we talked about a few weeks ago with Chris Drew, who was just a freak. I mean, the guy was just ridiculous, right? Do you feel like having having a great defense at Ohio State would really, really give like the state of Ohio kind of like the, I don't know, like this identity. I feel like Ohio football has gotten away from this defense. Like I just felt like we always, when you go to Friday nights, you always want to play good defense. I feel like now there's not that identity of like, let's play hard nosed defense. And I, I wonder if we have a good defense, at high state, it brings back that, that type of mentality to the whole state of high school football and college football again. Yeah, that's an interesting question just because I mean, football as a whole, like the teams that we've been seeing dominate, uh, I mean, like 2019 LSU. And I mean, even the strength of this Ohio state team lately has been the offensive yeah. play. Like you just, you got to have like that insane offense and then the defense just has to not suck basically. Right. Like that's, that's kind of the formula we saw work for LSU. We saw that work for uh, Cam Newton's Auburn team and a couple others here and there. And very rarely do we see one where it's like you dominate on the offense and defense, like some of the Alabama teams have. And then, and then like way out of nowhere last year, we see historically great Georgia defense with like an average offense, like come and win a national championship. So it can be done, but, I feel like if we're going to try to make defense like the emphasis, like 
and I don't want to offend the defensive coach here, but it's like, you're going to end up with a program similar to maybe like Iowa where, I mean, you're using your defense to like try to keep you in games. And then hopefully the offense can like scrape together 20 points and pull off some wins. But I think, I think Ohio state's identity from here is going to be like that, that elite offense. And then the defense just has to be like in that top 20 range. Like it's not going to be anything that's like absolutely insane. Like what we just seen from Georgia or like some of these other Alabama defenses, but it has to still be like one of the top 20 in the country. Otherwise it's like, you're not going to be able to handle it again in the big games. Like it's got to be high enough, but it doesn't have to be like top. Yeah. The top. What would you say to that dad? Do you think that, that high state defense needs to be back to really to get Ohio in general, high school football and casual. Do you feel like it needs to get back to that? You know, those AJ Hawk defensive days to really give, to bring that kind of mentality back, that that viciousness that that has been missing. No, I don't. I think uh, football has changed. That's where it's changed over the years. It used to be, I mean, that was an aberration. I think last year because you look at Alabama, their their defenses have not been dominant, and they've won national championships because they were throwing the ball all over the place. Um, Clemson, when they won, they were throwing the ball and and they were had uh, a good defense, but they didn't have a great defense. And last year, Georgia just had a bunch of freaks on defense because they went out and everybody their team team could run. I mean, they're all running four fives and four sixes and four fours on their defense. I don't think there was one guy slower than four eight on their entire defense. That include their tackles. And you got a defense like that, yeah, there's just no way. You could have the greatest offense in the world. You're not going to stop that. But they all graduated or left for the NFL. So what are you left with? I mean, look at their quarterback play. <laughs> They couldn't pour water out of the boot if the directions were written on the heel. I mean, it was it was not a good offense. I, I don't know. I mean, if they ran the ball, yeah, they were okay, but they didn't have it. They, they couldn't throw the ball. Their top receiver, he went down, and so they couldn't really throw the ball very well. Yeah. And then you go out and look at Ohio State. I mean, they're putting up 50 points. All you got to do is hold a team to 20 points. Look at the NFL. They, they have a great defense in the NFL now is a team that holds a, holds a team to around 20 points a game. Because the NFL, the, the the top teams are scoring 35 points a game. So, yeah, we've just seen offensive play like in football, both at the college and pro level, just elevate to like new heights. And then also with like rule changes and like referees favoring offensive players and like pass interference situations. It's just like, man, it is so hard to like not only play defense anymore it seems like but to be at like an elite defense like like at the level of like the 2000 baltimore ravens or like those old ohio state teams or like that old those old miami hurricanes teams in that in that range too like it's just gonna be so hard to like ever have a defense at that level i think that's what's crazy but also dad and i know josh wanted to know this too because we had talked about it What, what what are the differences you have seen from the 90s when you coached and like and early 2000s when you coach defense and and uh, on the football field in high school, I know it was high school, but and what are the differences between now and then uh, now versus then? Like, what are the the differences you've seen how football is coached defensively and how it's maybe become either better or worse or or what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think uh, quarterback play has changed the way uh, ball is taught now. I I think uh, more teams are not relying on on ground and pound and then then play defense because sometimes you may not have the personnel, so you got to change and adapt your personnel. And a lot of times it's easier to coach a team that scores 20, 25 points a game in high school versus a team that scores 
16 or 17, but shuts everybody out because you may not have the horses to handle them. Um, it all, it's all cyclical. High school is probably more so than college because, you know, college you can go out and get your kids and NFL, you draft them. But high school, you got to – you get what you get kind of thing. Um, and some of the bigger programs, they're they're changing too. But even though it's like St. Ed's, they are – was it St. Ed's? Yeah, I think it was St. Ed's that won the Division One football. They just – they just had uh, super big guys, super fast guys, and it didn't matter what kind of defense you're going to play. They were going to outscore you, and I mean they beat they beat uh, all kinds of teams that just had really good teams. Um, we when I went to watch a Findlay, my high school, my old high school play uh, another school, a uh, Springfield South. Uh, our well, we used to be Springfield, it was Springfield High School down at, at, at and they played at Bell Fountain. So I was watching that game, and I was just shocked at what I saw out there. It was the final was third. Was it what, thirteen to nothing was the final? I was like, wow, that's weird. Mm. And they go to the championship game, Springfield does, and they get waxed by Lakewood St. Ed's. And it just, oh my goodness, it was just. So basically, so basically, you said it's changed a lot since. Yeah, it's changed a lot since, since I was coaching, and it's it's it's, it's a lot different coaching in college. College, the the, the gap is is like you, you you start everybody starts in junior high like this, high schools like this. Colleges like this and NFLs like this, you, you just it, just the speed of the game is just just it gets greater as you go up, and the speed of the game is what changes things. You got to know things like really quick. You can't just go out there and play like you used to. You got to know things. I mean, even in high school now, quarterbacks got to be able to read. They got to be able to read defenses. Before it used to be just if you had some super studs, you just went out and played. And, now you got to be able to read defenses, know what where the defense is, and it's a change. That was Josh. If Dad, if you didn't know, that was Josh. He was the stud in high school. <laughs> I did not play high school ball, <laughs> but I enjoyed watching it. And I mean, even from the time I was in high school, and now, like, I mean, you see some of these high school quarterbacks at the elite eleven camps and stuff like that. Like, it's just. It's the it, they're, they process things so fast. They got like the NFL arms, and they're I mean they are getting coaching from like the time that they're eight years old. Like it's it's like kids aren't even like born to be quarterbacks anymore. They're just built from like the young they're age. Br- like, they're bred. <laughs> they're bred. There you go. Yeah, it's like a dad that has a decent amount of money to pay for top coaches like Quincy. That wasn't such my dad, like, by the way. That wasn't no, my dad. No, it clearly wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was in but, high school, there were three. There were three divisions. Triple A, double A, and single A, and now there's state of Ohio. There's seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah. And Indiana, where I've where I've been the last several years, we got six. So I mean, there's a lot more. It's, it's changed. It's changed a lot. It's just a lot more teams in now. It's ridiculous how many teams are allowing to play. But it's it is it's changed. I mean, I couldn't. I don't think I could go back and coach again. I don't think I want to. But <laughs> it has changed a lot. We got to ask this high school coach a question I just thought of, too. Uh, What do you think of Ohio's point system? Because over in Indiana, we had uh, everybody made the sectional bracket, right? And it's like 
I love the point system in Ohio because it like eliminates all those teams that already aren't going to have a shot, right? Like if you go 0 and 10 the regular season, you got no business like playing in the postseason. But I know there also has been some scenarios where like a team could go seven and three or eight and two and something like that. But this six and four team that played like basically a, a much more challenging schedule gets in. And then there's kind of like some judgment involved. And the point system also is based on some scoring. So that kind of encourages like teams to run up the score and stuff. So what's your opinion of the point system? Is it a perfect system? Slightly flawed? Should we keep it? I think they should go back to eight teams in a division in each each region. There's there's uh, see what is it, twenty eight regions in the state of Ohio, and sixteen teams in each region make the playoffs. So sixteen plays one, fifteen plays two, and so forth. Uh, that's too many, and they're trying to make it. They're trying to make it fair for everybody. A little more all inclusive. It's never yeah. been about fair. It's been about who's better. It used to be if you were five and five and played a just a ridiculous schedule. You can make the playoffs. And those teams sometimes went pretty far. That's when you had eight, eight teams in a region. Now you got 16 teams in a region. You can have a three and seven team make the playoffs now in the state of Ohio. And that thing's going to go out there and they're going to play the number one seed and they're going to get spanked. I don't care what three and seven team you are. I don't care what your schedule has been like. You're going to go up and play a, 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 a number one seed. You're going to get spanked. And I don't that's a good. Think that's fair to the kids. That, that's not fair to the kids. That's a good point about the seeds too, because actually in Indiana, like in addition to everybody being added like to the sectional tournament, like there, it's by a random draw too, like for your bracket. Like it's not even seated like one through sixteen or anything like that. Like they just randomly draw these teams, and you might get the two best teams in a first round matchup. And you also could have a scenario where like a team that goes three and seven could have a path to that championship game, which. I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I am a fan of the point system more so than like all included random draw. But yeah, I think there I would be in favor of like a more exclusive postseason too, just because mm. like the, the playoffs, like in all the professional leagues too, like we've seen the NFL try to add teams and MLBs adding teams and the NBA, like half the teams make the playoffs. And I'm just like, this is supposed to be like the best Elite, of the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I would even, I would even say Josh, cause I just coached, you know, in 2019, I was coaching high school football and I helped out and I'll tell you, yeah, well, money's one reason. But, <laughs> no, more money, but, more TV ratings, and, more ticket but I, sales, but coaching at, at the high school level, I realized even our head coach, right? Like we end up having to play. So the team we beat in the regular season, um, we end up having to play again in the playoffs, which I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't mind that, but it's like, you looked at, I, I don't even can't remember who was all in our region or whatever, but like there was like the top four seeds or whatever, four or five seeds were like, you know, they only lost one to two games. And then you have on the other side of the region, you would have a team that was, you know, five and five or six and four. And it's like, we got to balance this out so that these good teams don't want to face each other until maybe, Hey, later in the, the rounds as we continue going. And so I noticed as a, as a coach, it, it was really frustrating to game plan. Cause you're like, okay, who are we going to play? Oh, if we win this game, we got to play this team. It's like, man, that's a hard road, but so it, yeah, I, I do get where my dad's coming from. I think they, they should just kind of slim down because we're doing too much of this. Hey, you, you won six games. You had a hard schedule. We're going to put you in a good playoff. Match. Like, no, like you lost four games. A team lost one game. I don't care if their schedule was light. They lost one game. They're better than you. They've won more games than you. And that's the way I think it should be. Your top team should make it that way. Um, and and again, I think it's just, it goes to that uh, as well. Um, and again, I, that's why I love high school football. It's weird. It's wonky. The 
the rules are weird and but it's just <laughs> fun to watch so um but yeah that, that's I, yeah i guess that's my thoughts too well if you got a you got a team that um the point system is is used to base on, on your schedule and what you what you criteria of what you played and and sometimes the six and four teams played way better schedule than a team that's uh nine and one their schedule may be very weak and and that six and four team might go all the way to the and i've seen it i've seen teams that you're like scratching your head and it's because of the schedule they play and they went all the way and they played in the state championship game they lost four games during the season and they're still here they are playing for the state title look at the mac the, the midwest cold water. Had, uh, cold water and and minster and new bremen and and all those teams over there, oh my goodness, they they raise that's a football program over there. They don't play football until yeah. seventh grade. <laughs> that's another good point too. Like I think that it was not too long ago there was a school up around here, Gibsonburg, like they were talking about them potentially going undefeated in the regular season and not getting into the playoffs just because of how weak their schedule was. And we talk about like some of these G5 teams in the college football playoff, like being left out because their schedule wasn't that great, but even more so at the high school level, it sucks for them because it's like, they don't have the resources like travel, like cross state and set up like these insane matchups with like teams from say the Columbus area, or if they wanted to like get a big time team on their schedule, like it just, it doesn't work that way. Like it does at college. So I, I, I sympathize a little bit more with the high school teams that don't maybe have the strongest of schedules because they legit can't help it but overall i am more in favor of like a more exclusive playoff mm. yeah and i i i love what you said about the college football playoff because josh i think because we're talking about ohio state i think we have to ask my dad his thoughts on the college football playoff because we know we know that someone that's old school like my dad has to have some great opinions on the fact that four teams get to be decided now that's just my thought. Josh, what are your thoughts on it? Let my dad know what your thoughts are on the college football playoff before we let him go off on his beratingness of probably either good or bad. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of, uh, there really seems to be like, we know who like the three best teams are most of the time. And then the fourth is just like, you know, pick one of these like four, like borderline teams. They're not going to win it anyway. So like, it almost seems like the the way that as much as I hated the BCS computer rankings and stuff, like they really didn't miss too much on who the two best teams were. But if Ohio State never wins the national championship as a four seed with a third string quarterback, you would never have any of these advocates going for like an eight or 16 team playoff. Like, so it's really all your guys' fault. So I'm, I'm again, more in favor of an exclusive playoff, like the four teams. I really don't see the point of adding someone that's like nine and three or eight and four into the college football playoff like if we extend it that long and people will say like yeah uh, well teams like texas a&m upset bama last year and teams like app state have beaten michigan like it could happen it's like well let's even look at like conference championships right like we haven't really seen any upsets in conference championship games we really haven't seen any big time major upsets in the college football playoff either like it's i mean We've known Notre Dame didn't belong in the playoff and it showed. We've known that like Oklahoma doesn't necessarily belong in the playoff and it showed. And it's just like, I don't, I think playoffs are better with less teams than more teams. Mm. Dad, what are your thoughts? Well, I, 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 I don't like the, the way this thing's set up now. I think it's, it's, it's not good. I would think eight would be more acceptable. Maybe, I don't know, something in that nature. 
and let them come play up north, you know, and let some of them teams come up and have to play when it's, you know, winter practice. Wouldn't it be cool here. if we had like home and away games for the playoffs, which oh, I think that sweet. would be a plus if you extended the field. Oh, yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd love to see somebody come into Ohio State and in, in, in the middle of December. That'd be awesome. Hey, come on up and play us, boys. Let's see how you like this weather. Because, see, the, the, the excuse of playing in warm weather climate, okay, you're going to the NFL. They do not all play in warm weather climates. So I don't I don't get that argument. I just don't – I don't get that. I don't understand that. I mean, look at the NFL. I mean, you're going to play at Green Bay, and you're talking about not wanting to come up to play in Columbus? And to me, that makes no sense. I mean, the NFL is uh, stands for not for long, by the way. Uh, right. <laughs> you, you just you don't. I don't. It, it, the balancing doesn't. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand the. They're not thinking too clearly. At least some of the guys in the South aren't thinking too clearly. There. Okay. We really. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Whatever. I mean, from the college standpoint, like they don't really care as much about the NFL because it's like, what kind of competitive advantage can we get? But I'm sure if you ask guys like Aaron Rodgers, who played college ball at Cal, like wouldn't have been nice to maybe get some winter games since you're going to be in green Bay in like a few years when you get drafted or even Tom Brady being from California. And then not only playing college ball in Ann Arbor, but then also the majority of his career in new England. And we see so many like historic games, Brady's been in the snow and stuff. And it would be kind of nice for some of these college kids to get that experience. I would even say, Josh, like this actually, my dad says some genius, by the way. I think it's, it is smart. I think if we do, if we want to expand it, we make it home and away. I mean, I don't even know why we don't do that now. Well, the only like, reason we don't do it now is because they've made the playoff games like some of the New Year's Six games. I so know. those are those got they got like deals with stadiums and stuff like that. But if we had an extended play <laughs> like playoff, I don't think they would just make those playoff games like some of the current bowl games. I think they'd actually make it home and away. But yes, this also talks a little so bit too. If and you, if you can get sponsorships watching. to hold it at certain teams, then yeah, it makes sense. If you guys aren't watching, my dad just keeps flashing the money symbol because it, that's pretty much his excuse for everything that's going on right now. Now, it's just it's because it's money, uh, which is not falsely like it's not false. It's, it's, it's not true. wrong. Like, do we think that a playoff game held at like Jerry World sponsored by like, you know, big time Fortune 500 companies would be more profitable than bowl game at Columbus, Ohio at Ohio Stadium sponsored by nobody? I think the Jerry World game is going to draw a little that bit is more of a true. chunk of change. That is true, but yeah, I, I think again, I, I actually like this idea, and I think I'm gonna wanna steal that now. Jerry World, I would love home and away playoff. Fifty five thousand, highest stadium, hundred over hundred plus. Hmm, be a little bit more ticket sales for that. Hey, by the way, we've never lost App State, James Yoder. <laughs> it's because Ohio State's been too scared to put App State on their schedule, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've played some rinky dick teams before, but we've never lost App State. I'll never forget that game. <laughs> a fun this game for sure. Oh, um, we're getting in trouble now. We will be in trouble, yes. Yeah. So maybe we should cut this off and switch to some NFL discussion Dude, because I, like I believe we did want to talk a little yeah. bit of Cleveland Browns, right, Ben? <laughs> Toss off the hat. <laughs> College hat off. <laughs> yes. Uh, Browns mug. We're good. So I don't actually – I can't remember. Uh, Dave, are you a Browns fan like Ben, or are you a Bengals fan like that son we don't yes. talk about? Oh, Bear, we don't talk about – he's saying that we don't talk about Jared's Bengals fandom. 
He was brainwashed. <laughs> Maybe mom had something to do with that one then. Um, sorry, mom. Less. She could care less about sports, to be honest with you, if she had her choice. She probably hates the fact that he's on here right now, to be honest. <laughs> Love it. Uh, but Cleveland Browns discussion. So... We've had like, I mean, you've seen the Browns even before they like moved to Baltimore and then were out of the league and then expanded. So like you've seen the team go through all these years of not being able to get that quarterback, right? Like there's an infamous Jersey with like all the different names on it. It's like over 20 now. And that I feel like they finally like landed a QB with Baker Mayfield. And next thing you know, by the way, what's that? I said you're pro May you're pro Mayfield, by the I way. I am pro Mayfield, but I'm trying to like make it not so biased. But I felt like they <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll buy it off you, yeah. But uh yeah, I felt like they landed a guy with Baker Mayfield and then they missed the playoffs last year after he led the team to a playoff victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers, by the way, and they were so close to getting past the Chiefs, like they're that they're that uh Hollywood Higgins fumble safety like away from like maybe get into the AFC championship game. And they decide that the 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 problem all along was Baker Mayfield and they go and make this trade for Deshaun Watson. And now we see all this stuff unfolding with Watson and the amount that we had to give up to get him is just like not making me happy about the QB situation in Cleveland. Are you happy with it, sir? Is this a move that needed to be made? Well, for one, Baker Mayfield couldn't read a defense and his life depended on it. He had wide receivers wide open in the flats. So what's he do? Throws downfield. Dude, what are you doing? There's a guy in the flats for the first down, and you're throwing downfield trying to get a guy, and he gets picked off or fumbled or whatever, and uh, the dude couldn't read defenses. I mean, even his year – what they rely on Nick Chubb pound the ball pound the rock pound the rock pound the rock and uh, Baker Mayfield was not going to lead him to a championship I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson is going to be the answer but Baker Mayfield definitely wasn't the answer. dude they said listen him at six foot he was probably five ten he couldn't see over the offensive line half the time and then you were like where are you and then I'm like where are you throwing it I'm throwing my stuff at the tv like where are you throwing it I mean, you got a guy in the flat, and he's throwing it over his head to the guy out there that's double covered in the secondary. I'm like, what kind of throw is that? And so you can see where my dad stands. Yes, um, I, I do not need any further questions, Your Honor. But uh, I, I do kind of uh, feel a little bit of that frustration because, I mean, there'd be replays and we'd have like a tight end or running back, like you said, open. But there also was times like, especially with Odell Beckham Jr., like the guy was just kind of running the routes he wanted to. And so he'd be open, but Baker's not going to see him because he doesn't know what kind of route he's going to run on a play. But there is some truth to your statement. I'll definitely uh, agree with that. But Baker has led the team to a playoff win before. And last year, like with the injury and everything, like I just felt like they weren't sticking to like what made them good the year before. Like you mentioned Nick Chubb. I'm a big Nick Chubb fan. I wish that we would use him a lot more often. Like last year, him and Derrick Henry, like were basically neck and neck for a while there. And Nick Chubb ended up, finishing with like while they had the same amount of carries Nick Chubb had like more broken tackles more yards of like 
20 plus and like higher yards per carry and things like that. And I just wish the team last year, especially with the QB being injured, if you must play Baker Mayfield instead of resting him and letting him recover, why not stick more with the run game? Like the Christmas day game against green Bay, Baker Mayfield had three picks at halftime. Nick Chubb had five carries. Like what, what's making Kevin Stefanski here think that passing is like what we should continue to do. And why are we not utilizing our top of the line backfield and top of the line offensive line to get us points? Well, I think it's, it's a matter of patience and I don't think too many teams are patient anymore. They don't do the, New England is a perfect example. They're patient. They don't care. They get beat up and 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 they lose their, their quarterback they think they should have. They just keep playing the same way they've always played. He don't he doesn't care. He's not gonna change anything. But it just goes to show you that their backups for Cleveland were weak last year, and that's why they kept going with Mayford. But the coach's fault, he's dude, I as soon as Baser Mayfield busted his shoulder, I said, dude, you're on the bench. There would have been no question without me. I would not have played him. I was like shit, scratching my head like, what What are they doing? I mean, you could see he wasn't healthy and he was hurting the team. And um, I, I don't know. I think they're, they were a total disarray last year. Their defense was a top seven defense. <laughs> and here I thought, wow, their defense is not very good. But then I look and find out the final stats are like top seven. I was feeling that too, especially watching games like the Chargers game where we're allowing 49 and like 28 of those came in the fourth quarter, I think. Like never would have guessed watching game to game that the defense was that high ranked. Yeah, they were like the top seven defense. And I I was shocked by that. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe this is the route they need to go is keeping teams to 20 points a game. And then all you need is 25 points a game out of the offense. Yeah. And, you know, Deshaun Watson – I don't know if he's the answer or not, but if you're going to punish, he better be. They're paying 230 million guarantee. <laughs> well, but if okay, if if he did what he did, why didn't the why isn't the courts like arresting him? And why aren't they doing anything with the owners? I mean, wh- wh- where's these owners that were jacking up like the guy at Washington and then Dallas's owner and then and then Robert, Robert Kraft and okay, if you're going to do that to Deshaun Watson, you better do something to them. But of course, forget. It's not for long, and it's the owners that own the league, not anybody else. And who does the the commissioner work for? The owners. We would get along great, sir, because I I – Agree a lot with that. I think that Dan Snyder should be receiving some kind of a punishment. I think Robert Kraft should be receiving some kind of punishment. And, I mean, Deshaun Watson's gone through two uh, criminal court uh, hearings and zero – Zero evidence, zero convictions, and NFL still pushing for like a at least a twelve game suspension despite zero evidence. And I mean, if he didn't do anything, there shouldn't be a and suspension. By the way, he also missed all of last year, so technically he's already served a sixteen game suspension, even though it wasn't he's already served a lot. Yeah. So and then also at the same time, if Deshaun Watson gets nothing, like Calvin Ridley also should be getting negative. Like he should be paid for extra games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, that for was what just, they're, but, they're suspending him a whole season for like gambling on games that weren't even that he wasn't even playing in. That yeah. And I think Josh, you've even said it in the past, and I think I'll ask Dad about this, but you even said something like, you know, you even with all that, you still don't agree with the whole all guaranteed to Deshaun Watson, even even with 
let's say you take away the suspension. You even said, even with that, you didn't agree with, you know, giving up. I didn't just cause I feel like stuff. the the winning formula was there, like relying on the run and offensive play. And like, like your dad said, good defensive play. We've seen it be very effective for teams like the 49ers. Uh, like you can say what you want about Jimmy G and ridicule him for only having like eight pass attempts in playoff games. But it's like, because he doesn't have an ego. He doesn't care if he's not, not winning those games. Like he can rely on Nick Bosa to like lead a defense and get sacks and make Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, like all those, like that three headed monster that they had a few years ago running the way. And I mean, they made it all the way to a Super Bowl with that. Like they were so close. And I feel like the Browns could have done something similar. Like that, that is a path that can be effective for teams in the NFL that may not have like that Josh Allen level QB or Tom Brady level QB. Like there's other ways to win in the league. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, I agree with that. And dad, my question for you is, is I have two questions. One, how many games do you think Deshaun Watson will end up being suspended? And two, what do you think your predicted record for the Browns will be at the end of the year? Josh, I believe, what did you say your predicted record was? We talked. I was earlier. saying that Deshaun was probably going to miss the first six games. Yep. And since those are also the easiest games on the Browns schedule, I think that they can weather that storm with Jacoby Brissett. And I believe my overall record prediction was like nine and eight. Yeah, I said nine and eight as well, and I said four games for Deshaun or four or five, something like that, for Deshaun Watson. So, Dad, for you, what do you think? How many games will you be spending? And how many games do you see the Browns winning this year? Well, in this league, it's it should be the NQL league, no quarterback league. So if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win. Um, you got to have a quarterback, and you got to you got to play a quarterback. The quarterback's got to manage these, if nothing else, manage the game. Uh, we didn't have that last year because he wasn't managing the game. He was turning the game over. And I think I'm saying, I think it's eight games. I think, I think, I think they're going to doink him for at least half the season. I I think the judge is going to give out an answer because all P all, uh, not P Rizal. What's his name? Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. He's only interested in 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 preserving and looking, not looking bad to women. He wants to, yeah, he wants to make the league look, bad look good. And I feel like he's just gonna like spite suspend to be like, see, we care about women's rights and domestic right. violence. That's we don't tolerate that around here. Yeah, that's that's all they're after. And 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 so, with that being said, I I'm more optimistic than you guys are. I think the Browns are going to win eleven or twelve games because um, their hmm. defense is. It, it's changed. They've gotten better guys. Look what they got in the third and fourth round. Man, that dude, that defensive tackle they got might have been later. Perry on Winfrey. A, is that who you're talking about? Winfrey. Winfrey. That dude's going to be a starter. I like that him too. Gonna, he's going to start a defensive tackle and he's going to be a stud. And then they still got the two, two headed monster defensive end and their linebacker core didn't get any worse. And their secondary got better. So their defense is going to be really good. Their offensive line is nearly all back. And they got and they and they got the kid they drafted last year who didn't play play had to be thrown in the fire. He's probably going to be better than he was. And their tight ends back, David Njoku, and so love Njoku. And, and so their wide receiver core, whether you like the dude they got from the Cowboys or not, their wide receiver core is going to be better. So I think eleven and eleven and six or or twelve and five. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy and say they're going to win 13 games, but people keep saying, oh, the Bengals are going to be back. Dude, this is called not for long. NFL, you've got a target on your back now. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so hard to continue that pace. This big big zero is on your back. And 
So I think uh, uh, eleven. I think probably closer to eleven and six is probably more accurate. But I mean, look at the look at the AFC. It is it is brutal. If you oh, AFC, yeah. if you're in the NFC, dude, eleven and six will probably make the playoffs. Eleven and six in the AFC is probably not going to make the playoffs. I would agree with that, uh, but I don't agree with the record. I just think it's going to be a tough, tough season. Uh, Josh, I don't know about you, uh, but I am so grateful that we had my father on. Um, two reasons, Josh, because one, he brought a perspective of a coach, but then he also brought a perspective of a dad, a dad joke dad. So I think there's so many phrases in this episode that Josh and I will be clipping and saving for many occasions in the future. Because, Josh, what has it been like to have my father? Have you seen any re- resemblance here between the two of us? I understand why you are the way you are now, Ben. <laughs> no, for real, though. it's I've had fun with this, too. I'm, I'm going to use the meat chicken line on my end a couple times. <laughs> hey, you guys all got to, like, watch the video version, though. Like, if you are doing audio, like, you should turn on the video for, for at least a is- little bit. It is just weird. It is just fullness of weird. Um, but no, we we appreciate Dad coming on, and um, and we appreciate Josh as well for just hanging in there last week without me. I I even titled it as Josh takes over. Uh, Josh, I've taken <laughs> back over. Um, but no, we appreciate Josh and Johnny last week. We appreciate Dad coming on. I mean, he's here. Uh, we spent a week in camp, and now we're here. He's spending a week here with us um, here in, in Budapest. And so we're super excited to have Dad here and um, just hearing his knowledge, hearing his opinions. Um, many I know out there listening will disagree with my dad, but there's one thing I know about my dad is he does not care, and he really doesn't care. He never will care. So you can comment all those things. By the way, all you Michigan fans have been commenting on the videos. I really don't care. And first off, you guys need to fix your English because at least you need to like write it so I can read what's happening because I have no idea what you say sometimes. I'm just saying. Talk about how great the Michigan difference, the Michigan education is. So you got to show it. I know you got to show it. You got to show it. That's what Chris Drew said. So oh, one thing you got to do, you know, how you get the Michigan man, you know, you know, you, you know how you get the Michigan man off the porch, you're paying for the pizza. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, we are so getting ruined for this. Um, No, in general, we do thank uh, everyone that's been watching. Uh, I just want to point this out. And this goes all to credit to Josh, who has been getting all of our guests um, on the on the show. Uh, Really, it's all been him. I've barely done anything. I got to do something since I'm not doing any kind of production or editing or anything. I got to have some value to the table. This is true. Um, But we do want to just say thanks to Josh because um, he's got a lot of guests on. And by the way, this is not to put us above anybody else but for us personally to have two videos two of our video versions of our podcast go over a thousand views so two of our last four episodes two of the last five episodes now including last week's um to go over a thousand views uh that's a thank you to you all i mean the fact that everyone has been watching and commenting josh i don't know about you but that that it just feels really good and it's it means that we're we're doing something that everyone likes um and that um hopefully we can make more of in the future for sure man yeah we ain't done yet i got a i got another handful of guests that we hopefully can get on here and maybe during football season we'll get a 
a couple other like uh, repeat guests to come on and uh, just kind of evaluate some of uh, the preseason predictions we made and see how those are turning out. And I mean, we're just kind of having fun with it. That's all we're doing. It's uh, it's an it's a lot of fun for me. It's a lot of fun for Ben. And hey, I started this show working by, out. I started this show by myself at this desk a year ago. So literally a year ago. And uh, now here I am with Josh and I have my dad. Yeah, that's crazy, it. man. Like so. I know there's I know there's sports podcasts out there. Where it's just one guy talking. But man, that is so hard to do. Just sit there and talk by yourself like it's and as much fun as it is for you josh you really think i i mean that's why i'm just saying like as much fun as it is even like just talking us to like when we get guests on like it's even more fun like having three on so it's like i can just i can only imagine how much it must suck and how much or how tough it is to just do it by yourself that is true um so yeah to all of you out there to all of uh the people that listen to the baseline on spotify on apple podcasts or you watch on youtube we really just want to say thank you um it means a lot like we literally are doing this because we love it we're having fun doing it um and we want to keep doing it and again please comment below things you want to see people you want us to talk to if you know somebody Send them to Josh because I'll forget. So send them to Josh. Um, but no, comment, uh, send us DMs on baseline.podcast on Instagram. Um, we try to post a lot of stories there um, and hopefully some more things in the future. So please, please feel free to do that. And uh, we really appreciate it. If you've loved this episode on the of the podcast on YouTube, then go ahead and click that thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hey, we've already gained 20 subscribers in the last two weeks, so I think we can gain more. Josh, I think we can. So so we got to keep hitting it. Um, so make sure you do that. That will keep you up to date with all the new episodes because we've, we've been putting out a lot of episodes like nonstop. So um, you'll keep up with that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, make sure you you rate us because that Drop will that help. five star. Yes. Five star it because um, that will um, allow us to get out there more so more people can listen everything like that so um once again we want to thank johnny last week um and also we want to thank dad thank you for um humoring us and then also uh having fun my mom told him to be good i have a funny feeling when he gets off that plane in a week it's i don't know we don't know who knows who knows what's gonna happen um but no we do appreciate it we have some just fun things coming up in the future episodes so stay tuned tune in next week um and until then we'll see ya 